Turn in your Bibles this morning. We're going to read a passage of Scripture here, and then we'll get into the Word of God. But first we'll read this passage of Scripture, and then we'll pray, and then we'll look at the Word of God. So Romans 3, look at verse 21. Romans chapter 3, and look at verse 21, and we're going to read from verse 21 to 31. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word. Uh, we're thankful that we can uh, come together and sing these beautiful hymns to you and sing praises to you because you are worthy of all of our praise. I'm thankful for your word. I'm, I'm thankful that it never changes. I'm thankful that it's always good. Uh, there's always truth in there for us to learn. So I do pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll be with us as we look at the scriptures. Uh, help us to uh, see your goodness, see your grace, see your mercy uh, in your word, Heavenly Father. And we commit this morning to you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So one of the biggest problems we're going to face uh, as Christians today when we are reaching people for Christ uh, is works-based religion. Now, people who have never understood or reject the true gospel uh, of salvation generally fall into two main categories. And I say two main categories because uh, in category one, there are people that uh, just don't believe in God at all. You know, they might uh, refer to themselves as an atheist or even uh, an agnostic. And uh, the atheist says that there is no God. And uh, the agnostic says, well, there could be. There could be a God. But in this category, whether you call yourself an atheist or an agnostic, you generally religiously follow a set of rules that governs your life and the way that you think anyway. And uh, the atheist says, there is no God, but I have a set of rules of right and wrong that I have determined that are right and wrong, and that's how I live, and that's what I'm going to live by. The agnostic says, well, there could be a God, but I have a set of rules of right and wrong that I have determined uh, that are right and wrong, and until I decide differently, that's how I live, and that's what I live by. And, uh, you know, but if asked, both generally, both of these uh, people, the atheist or the agnostic, both generally say, well, yes, they're a good person in some way or another. And you'll, and, uh, you'll say... Uh, You'll always, but you, when you think about it, everyone will be good according to their own standards. Everyone sets their own standards of, of good, and they set their own bar, and that's what they live by. Then there's the uh, category two. In this category, people believe uh, that there is a God, you know, but they have distorted, uh, they have a distorted view of who God is. You know, for the most part, they have Jesus somewhere somewhere uh, in their religion. You know, for the most part, uh, he's there, but it's distorted. 
For instance, Islam have a Jesus in their religion, but he's just a prophet, just like any other prophet. Some Muslims even agree with you that Jesus died to save uh, uh, people from our sins, but it's a distorted Jesus. You've got to understand that because they go on to say that many prophets died to save us from our sins. This is what they say. I was talking to uh, a Muslim man only a couple of weeks ago and uh, they, they say it in this sense that they died proclaiming their message. And, uh, but that's, that's true of many prophets. They did die proclaiming their message but the true prophet's message was to point to Jesus. That was the true prophet's message who not only died to save us from our sins but rose again three days later. See, the Muslim Jesus didn't rise from the dead. He was just another prophet. The Jesus of the Quran didn't rise from the dead. And uh, the, he's just another man like Muhammad. This is who they think Jesus uh, was. Uh, they just believe he was another man like Muhammad that proclaimed just a works-based gospel. Whereas the Jesus of the Bible, the true Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God, who is God manifest in the flesh to take away the sin of the world, he did this by being punished on the cross for what sinful man deserves. That's the true Jesus. That they might be saved by faith and not by works. That's the true Jesus of the Bible. Then you have Buddhism and Hinduism uh, who also have uh, another uh, Jesus in their religion uh, but he was just another enlightened one through Buddhism or through the practices of these religions. He was no different than the enlightened ones before or the enlightened ones after. That's all he was. Then you have the Jehovah's Witnesses and their Jesus who they say is the Archangel Michael. When you get down to the, the facts of what they believe that's who he is. And uh, then you have the Mormons and their Jesus uh, who say that Jesus is just the brother of Satan. And uh, all these distorted uh, views of Jesus. Whereas the Jesus of the Bible is God manifest in the flesh. Only this Jesus can take away the sin of the world. And that should never be forgotten or ever watered down. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in your Bible. See, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and in his letter, after dealing with them on some uh, church issues or you know, how order in the church should be and things of that nature, he then turns his attention uh, back to the fundamental truth that governs anything that we do as Christians. See, even in what is known as mainstream Christianity, uh, the focus of what we stand for can be forgotten. And we need to remind ourselves what that is. We need to remind ourselves. See, there's nothing wrong uh, with discussing order in the church and the way things should be done and all those things. You know, they, don't get me wrong, they're very important things. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he just spent three chapters uh, in his letter dealing uh, with some of those issues uh, which are very important. But they should never be to the... To the neglect of the fundamental truth of the gospel. They should never be to the, to the neglect of that. So look at verse 1 of chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So after discussing all these things about church order and things that should, should or shouldn't happen in the church, he says, moreover, brethren, moreover. So the first thing that we see here is moreover, brethren, or in other words, as, in, as important as all these other things are and all these other issues, this is moreover. This is moreover than these things. The whole reason, uh, well, he says, he goes, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. So the whole reason that the Corinthian believers receiving uh, this letter from Paul was because the gospel was preached unto them. The whole reason they could even discuss things uh, of the church and things uh, in the church was because they had believed the gospel. That's the whole reason they were even uh, uh, in his letter. He says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. He says, which also ye have received. See, it's one thing to have head knowledge of the gospel 
So you can know all the facts of the gospel. You can, uh, you know, uh, tell somebody the gospel. You can believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and know all the details that surround the cross. But if that's just head knowledge and you haven't applied that to your life and that is the, the central thing that you live by and that, you're, uh, that you have received, anything else you discuss means nothing. Anything else. It's one thing to have head knowledge. You can know all, know all those facts. But if you don't apply it to your own life, it means nothing. He says, which also you have received, but look at this, and he says, and wherein ye stand. So you can stand for many different things in this life. You can be one who stands against poverty. You can make a stand against pollution. You can make a stand against uh, all kinds of government injustices, which in themselves may not be a bad thing. I'm not saying these things are bad in, in, in a sense. But you, you may be even in a church that's standing against injustices. But if that's what defines you, then I declare unto you the gospel. Look at verse 2, it says, By which also ye are saved. See, there's nothing else that can save a sinner but the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the gospel, sadly today, is on the back burner in most churches. So churches that may have once upon a time started off well and they were grounded in the gospel and that was their main focus of where they stand have now forgotten what purged them from their sins. And they've turned to even a works-based gospel where even the cross of Jesus Christ is almost offensive to them. Verse 2, where it says, By which also ye are saved, look at this, If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. See, a true believer should never forget the cross of Jesus Christ or even make it secondary in their endeavours. You know, forget the cross or forget the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you have believed in vain. That's what this passage is saying. And sadly today, the gospel is out, and it's, or, or it's even secondary, and the social gospel is in. This is what we're seeing a lot. See, the gospel doesn't change over time either. We don't have to get relevant with the times. You know, the gospel doesn't need any propping up. The gospel is sufficient in of itself. So the same old gospel that Paul preached is the same old gospel that should be preached today. The same way it was preached back then is the same way it should be preached today. Paul says, verse 3, he says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. He's saying, I'm just delivering you the same as what I received. It hasn't changed. It hasn't been distorted. It's still the first. It's still the foremost. It doesn't need to be hidden in the background. It doesn't uh, need dressing up of some kind. It's fine, just the way it is. Look at this, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now that's something that people find it hard to hear. Because if Christ died for our sins... That means that you're a sinner. Verse 4, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You can't be saved without the resurrection of Jesus Christ either. See, Paul makes that clear in verse 14 of this same chapter where he says, and if Christ be not risen, then, our preaching, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. But the one who's trusting in their own righteousness or their own works to be a good person to, uh, if you like, even try to outweigh their sin, they will buck and they will kick at this message. But the Bible is clear, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. And there's nothing you can add to that and there's nothing you can take away from that. So you can't add your good works to that. 
You can't. Titus 3, 5 to 7 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So it was the mercy and the grace of God in sending Jesus Christ to die for sinners. It was the mercy. So you can only be justified by believing in that message, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, the merciful one. But sadly, that offends some people. But, you know, if that message offends somebody, there's not a problem with the message. It's not the message. It's just a problem with the one who doesn't want to receive the message. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. He says, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. See, believing that faith in Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved from sin to the self-righteous, it seems like foolishness. But to the one that accepts it, it's the power of God under salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 15 to 16, Paul said to the Corinthians, he says, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. He says, To the one we are the savour of death unto death, and to the other savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? He's saying that the message doesn't change. It doesn't matter how people take it, the message is still sweet. It's still a sweet message. It's a sweet message from God, no matter how it's received. You don't judge the sweet message of how people receive it. I believe everyone in hell heard the sweet message of how to be saved from their sin. I believe everybody in hell right now heard the sweet message of salvation to be saved from their sin. And I believe that's why they're there. I believe it's because they rejected that sweet message for no other reason. See, before the cross, they believed in the sweet message in types. From Abel to Abraham, all the way from, uh, to John the Baptist, the last prophet or the forerunner to Jesus, people were saved by the grace of God through faith. And so it is today. Nothing's changed. The gospel hasn't changed. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't matter your background. Your background cannot save you. See, some people say things like, you know, I was brought up a Presbyterian or, you know, I was brought up a uh, Anglican or I'm a, I'm a Lutheran or I'm this or I'm that or I'm a, or, or I'm a Baptist or, you know, that's my background. You hear it all the time and you're out there on the streets handing out gospel tracts. Now, of course, you've always got those ones that just shake their fist at you too, you know, or the ones that just don't want to know about it. But then, you know, there's also the, you know, the ones that say, look, I'm, a, I'm already a Catholic, you know, I already go to church or something like that. Or, you know, but for the most part, these people don't want to stop and talk. You know, they almost seem... You know, offended that you're even there handing out some gospel tracts. Sometimes if they do stop and they talk to you and you ask them, where does your assurance lay? And usually you find out it's in those things. It's in their backgrounds. It's how they're brought up. There's no born-again experience where they first trusted in Christ Jesus to save them from their sin. There's no time when the gospel had a, an effect on their heart. You ask them the question, you know, why should God let you into heaven? Why do you think he should let you into heaven? The answer that mostly comes back is because they're a good person. Well, they attend church or, or they help others in some way or lead a fairly uh, good moral life. I'm not downplaying a good moral life. 
Well, that's not how you're saved. See, not everybody though. There are some that say the right answer. They do. They say that God sent Jesus Christ to save me from my sin. And they put their trust in him and the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And I always say amen to that when I hear that. See, I'm not downplaying doing good or good works. But any good that's done should only be done because of what Christ has done for us on that cross. See, being good and doing good, those things that we do don't merit our salvation. They don't merit our salvation in any shape or form. See, people trusting in their upbringing or in their background, this has always been a problem. And that's something that's never changed either. See, at the time when the New Testament uh, was being written, most of Israel had moved into this mindset. They thought that their background or being an Israelite is what saved you. You know, they knew that they were God's chosen people, but they had missed what they were chosen for. They were not chosen for salvation, but they were God's chosen vessel to bring about the means of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came through the nation of Israel. God uses a nation, which he started, by the way, God started the nation of Israel and he used the nation of Israel to fulfill his purposes. In that sense, they are a blessing to other nations. I thank the Lord for the nation of Israel, but not to the neglect of other nations. It was God's purpose that thy seed that in thy seed all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is what was told to Abraham. That was the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 22, 17 to 18. <coughs> he said that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. So it was always God's plan to bring the promised seed through the nation of Israel. Galatians chapter 3, we read this in verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Look at this, he saith, And not to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, which came through Moses, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. See, most in Israel had started relying uh, on their background or their upbringing for salvation. They thought that because they were given the laws of God, because they were God's chosen people, uh, because they were born into the family of Israel, then that's what saves you. This is the mindset that they had. But that's wrong. See, salvation has always been through the gospel, to the Jew and also to the Gentile. And uh, Gentile, that's just anyone who's not a Jew or, or, or an Israelite. Salvation has always been by the grace of God in Jesus Christ through faith. Always. Always. That has never, ever changed and it never, ever will change. See, many Jews had a hard time with this. I'm not saying all of them, but there's many that did. If salvation doesn't come through being chosen you know, for whatever reason, or, or, or being a descendant of Abraham by flesh, or even by the law that was given to them, then comes the question. And we see that question uh, anticipated and also answered by the Apostle Paul in Galatians 3.19. Wherefore then serveth the law? 
Well, what's the point of it then? What's the point of the law? Why, why were we given the laws? What's... That's a good question. If people are not saved by keeping the law, then what's the purpose? What's the, what purpose does the law ever have? Well, Paul answers that. He says it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. See, the law was given to show them that they need to be saved by grace through faith. That's why it was given. That's why it, uh, the, the law came. William MacDonald says to the, uh, the law was given to a nation of sinners. They could never obtain righteousness by keeping it because they did not have the power to obey it. The law was meant to show men what hopeless sinners they were so they would cry out to God to save them by his grace. God's covenant with Abraham was an unconditional promise of blessing. The law resulted only in cursing. The law demonstrated the unworthiness of man to receive free and unconditional blessing. If a man is to be blessed, it must be by the grace of God. See, the law shows us that, we're unworthy, that we are unworthy sinners because every one of us has disobeyed the laws of God. See, the laws of God have a use. There's nothing wrong with God's laws. See, God had certain things for Israel to do before the cross of Jesus Christ that he doesn't require them to do after the cross of Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles after the cross are a new body with different requirements. But doing the things that God requires us to do should just be out of a love for him. We're not saved by doing those things. No one ever was before the cross or after the cross. If you, if, actually, if you think that you're saved by doing those things, then I want to declare unto you the gospel. Turn to Romans chapter 3 again. See, from verse 19 here, Paul <coughs> he spends a lot of time in Romans, or a good portion of his letter to the Romans, dealing with this very issue. See, it deals directly with the gospel. Uh, while dispelling this false notion uh, that uh, many of the Jews had. And that false notion is that their works or their law uh, or their upbringing or their chosenness is what saves them. So they thought that they were chosen by God for salvation to, to the neglect of other nations. Instead of understanding that they were chosen by God to be a blessing to other nations. That anyone from any nation can be saved by faith. I think it's ironic that we even have a portion of Christianity today that think the same way or similarly. You know, because they've misunderstood certain passages of the Bible. You know, even here in the book of Romans, they also think that God has chosen them for salvation to the neglect of others by some kind of secret decree for no particular reason. They've kind of almost stumbled at the same stumbling stone that the Jews have stumbled at. But I thank the Lord that salvation is available to the Jew and to the Gentile. And I thank the Lord that we have a book, we have a saviour, we have most of this book was written by Israelites. I thank the Lord for that. I thank the Lord for that. I also believe that the Lord's still got a plan for Israel. I really do. He hasn't finished with that nation. He started the nation. I think he's going to finish with that nation. But salvation is not through a nation. That nation brought about the means of salvation because God determined to do that. Salvation has always been by the grace of God and Jesus Christ's faith. Always. Look at verse 19 of Romans chapter 3. Now we know 
that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, look at this, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. See, the law shows us that every mouth may be stopped. It shows us that we're all guilty. We're all guilty sinners before God. Verse 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. See, the law shows us what sin is, and it confirms it. Romans chapter 2, it also says that the laws of God are written uh, on our heart. We know right from wrong through our consciences. But sometimes even a conscience can be seared. But just in case that's the case, the law comes along and overrides a seared conscience and says, no, it's wrong. So even if your conscience is seared, the law comes along and shows you it's seared. The, law's, the law shows us that we need a saviour. No man will ever be justified by the deeds of the law. Never. Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. See, the prophets show us that we need a saviour. Any other prophet that says otherwise is a false prophet. Any other law that says anything other than we need a saviour is another law. That's what the law points to. It points and shows us that we need a saviour. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, look at this, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So there it is. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be righteous before God. It doesn't matter whether you are black, white, red, purple. I don't care what colour. Jew, Gentile, the only way that you can be righteous before God is by faith of Jesus Christ. It's the only way. I want you to see here who this message is for. <coughs> is it just for some chosen ones who were chosen who knows why? Or is it for all? Does the verse say unto all? It says it's unto all. That means all. Some people say, oh no, it's just talking about nations here. It's not available to every individual. You know, uh, but really, do you know anybody that hasn't sinned? I don't. I don't know one person that hasn't sinned. This is talking about individual salvation here. Yes, to every individual and every nation. That's the context. Verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, that's the reason that it's available to all. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, some will say, oh no, no, you don't understand. You know, there's a hidden difference. You know, some were chosen to believe and others weren't. No. Go back to verse 22 and read it again. It says it's unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. There's no hidden difference. It doesn't get any plainer than that. You can try and twist it and turn it and try and make it fit your presuppositions. But I'm going to believe the plain, simple scripture of the Bible. It's plain and it's simple. It's unto all, but you must believe to receive it. Look at this. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So salvation is a free gift. It's a free gift to anyone that will just simply 
receive it. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Revelation 22.17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, let him that heareth say, Come, let him that is a thirst come, and look at this, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. The Webster's 1828 dictionary description of that word uh, whosoever is this. It's who, so, and ever, anyone, any person, whatever. I'm thinking of getting that on a shirt. Getting John 3.16 on the front and getting that on the back. I'll talk to Charlie and see if we can get some of them made up. Romans 3.25-26 to 26. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Jesus made the atonement for our sins. Notice there, it's not just any old faith in Jesus either. It's not just any old faith in Jesus. It's not just believing that Jesus has existed. It's not just believing in his miracles. It's through faith in his blood. I thank the Lord for the, uh, this Bible uh, translation because uh, if you look at some of the other translations, they leave that little bit out. Well, they put it over in another verse somewhere and uh, it's a bit deceiving. But it's through faith in his blood. It's through faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross to save us from our sins. It's specific. I like what Paul says here, just in case you didn't get it, or just in case they can think uh, that you can be justified or made righteous any other way. Think again. He says, look at this in verse 26. He says, to, to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. But this removes any boasting. Any boasting. See, believing in Jesus Christ to be saved from the penalty of sin is completely opposite to believing you can be saved by your works. Faith is over here, your works is over here, and they don't even meet. It's either by faith or it's by works. It's not by works, it's by faith. It's either the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that saved mankind from their sin, or it is the work of man that merits his own salvation. It's either one or the other. And men have come short. They cannot merit their salvation. The Bible clearly says there is none righteous. No, not one. See, everyone has sinned in some form or fashion and need to be saved by the grace of God and Jesus Christ through faith. Yes, faith in Christ moves you to act and to follow him. But your actions are not what saves you. You follow Jesus because of what he did on that cross to save you from your sins. That's the reason you follow him. You're, you're moved. You're moved by what Christ did for you on the cross. It moves you to want to follow him. You don't trust in your moving. That doesn't save you. You're moved to follow Christ because of what he did for you. You're not trusting in your flesh. You're trusting in Jesus Christ. Romans 4, verse 1 to 5 says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. See, Abraham, he heard the call of God, and it moved him to follow the Lord. But he wasn't justified by his walking. He walked with the Lord because he believed the promise of God. Verse 3, for, 
For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. See, if Abraham was saved by his works, then he was in debt to live the whole war perfectly. And the law shows us that no one can do that. Verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. See, that's what Abraham believed. He believed on him who justifies the ungodly. He trusted the Lord to save him from his sin. Abraham knew that he needed to rely only on the mercy of God and God's provision to save him from his sin. Go back to chapter 3 of Romans, chapter, uh, sorry, back to chapter 3 in Romans, and we'll look at verse 21. Now, I like this next verse. It says, verse 27, it says, Where is boasting then? Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. So what I like about this is if you say you have faith in Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, it's the opposite of boasting. Someone might say, oh, but you know, if you say you have faith in Christ and the next person doesn't, well, well then that, doesn't that make you more superior than them? You know? Well, I say no. And you know why it doesn't? It's because they can believe too if they want to. If they want to, they can. It doesn't make you any more superior. Anyone can believe it's unto all. The offer to believe is unto all. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. If all can believe, if they want to, then you can't blame God for when someone rejects the gospel. The onus is on them and not on God. If only some people were able to believe, then you can blame God for when someone doesn't believe. But you can't blame God when you don't believe. If you haven't believed in Jesus Christ yet to save you from your sin, I want to show you how close it is to you. I want to show you how close it is to you if only you would just believe. Look at Romans 10. <coughs> Romans 10, verse 8. It says, But what saith it? What saith the Scripture? It says, What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach. See, that's how close it is to you. Because I'm preaching it to you. That's how. Look at this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So do you believe that God sent Jesus Christ to die on that cross to save you from your sin? Do you believe it? Are you ready to follow Jesus? Do you believe that God hath raised him from the dead? Do you believe it? Are you ready to follow him? Well, if it's in thy mouth and it's in thy heart, then don't delay. Confess it and be saved. But don't ever confess it to me. You've got to confess it to the Lord. Verse 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, 
and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scripture saith, look at this, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. There's that word, whosoever again. Verse 12, for there is no difference, here we see it again, there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. It doesn't say the Jews and the Greeks, it says the Jew and the Greek, singular. So it's for every individual from every nation. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. So if you call upon the Lord to save you from your sin, believing in Christ Jesus to save you, then God will bestow upon you the riches of all riches. And I'm not talking about money. It's got nothing to do with money. It's eternal life with him in heaven for all eternity. There's nothing richer than that. Verse 13, look at this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe that everyone in hell right now had the word of God that we preach in their mouth at some stage in their life. The word of God was in their heart because that, that's what it says. What saith it? The word is neither even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we, pre which we preach, that if thou con shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. But they didn't, they didn't believe the word. They didn't confess to God that they needed a saviour. They rejected the way of salvation. Therefore, they end up in the place they were warned about time and time and time again. The word was so close. Back to Romans chapter 3 and look at verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. <coughs> and Paul, the writer here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he anticipates, anticipates a question, a question that someone might say. Look at verse 31, he says, Do we then make void the law through faith? He says, God forbid. He says, Yea, we establish the law. So I hear this question a lot. So the, the thinking goes, well, you know, if you're not saved by keeping the law, or keeping God's laws, then that must mean that, you know, people can just get away with whatever they want. If they just believe in Jesus? No, not at all. If you have truly put your trust in Jesus Christ to save you from your sin and you've felt the weight of your sin that put him on that cross, that will never be your attitude, my friend. Never. You would never use the blood of Jesus Christ to justify sinning and think, oh, now I can just get away with whatever sin I, I want, if you've understood the cross correctly. If someone says they're a Christian and that's how they see it, I doubt that they're even a Christian. I doubt they're even a Christian. If, if somebody sees it like that, See, there's nothing wrong with living how the Lord wants you to live. In fact, if you've understood the love of God correctly and what he did on that cross to save you and it was your sin that put him there, then you won't be able to help but live and follow the Lord. It just becomes you. 
Why would you want to do anything else? Are you going to do it perfectly? Oh, mate, I don't think you will be. But you'll have a desire to want to follow him. You will. Verse 31, it says, Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. We use the law correctly. We use it to show people that they need a saviour. We look at the way God wants us to live. It's in his law, it's in his word. And we seek to live it out by faith. Not trusting in it to save us, but seeing the goodness of God and how he expects us to live our lives. You begin to love God's word. And you let it correct you. Because you want to live for the Lord. Because of what he's done. You're not looking for excuses not to live by, the, by, the, by his word. You're looking for excuses to live by it. Romans 2, 4 says, Romans 2 verse 4 says, or despises, or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? It's the goodness of God in his word that leads us to repentance. See, we've got churches today that are running like entertainment venues. They look more like a rock concert than they do a church. It's more a fashion parade than it is a church. It's more a feel-good social gathering of worshipping self rather than the place to gather and worship the Lord. Now there's more emphasis on the coffee than there is on the gospel. It's about getting more people through the door to the neglect of the people that are already in the door. Now there's no challenging preaching just in case somebody gets offended. And sadly the gospel is getting pushed aside. But unless we preach the gospel and make that the central truth of why we do whatever we do, because if we lose that, we could easily go down that same road. If you haven't trusted in Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, or if you're not sure that if you died today that you would be saved, well, I'm telling you that you can be. You can be. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Romans 10, verse 10 to 11, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You are not saved by your works. You are not saved by your background. Your flesh can't save you. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's not a work. That's not a work. You can't boast in that because you're boasting in another. You're boasting in Jesus Christ who loved you and died for you. I thank the Lord that we can be saved by the grace of God through faith. Let's pray.